During the month of August, um, I want to invite you to read along in the book of Luke. No, Mark. What? What? Pivot. We're going to be reading the book of Mark. My gosh. We're going to be meeting Jesus through reading the book of Mark. And along the way, I want to kind of offer some observations. I think uh, the reason that we're going to be focusing on this for the next four weeks is um, just a sense that every now and again, it is good to kind of stir up and, and kind of refresh our opportunity to meet Jesus. For some of us in the room, it's been a long time. And so the chance to, to pick up the Bible or to download it on your phone, a Bible app, and say, you know what, I'm going to... I'm going to read about this guy, Jesus from Nazareth, and see what I see. Uh, as we make our way through the series, uh, the next slide, these are kind of just the, the questions that I'm going to be looking at. And so I'll invite you, if you want to take a picture of that, as you read along, that who, and who was and who is Jesus? How did Jesus heal people, and why did he heal them? What did Jesus teach? And then where is Jesus now? <laughs> Tonight we will remember, and what we believe is that Jesus is present at this table in ways I can't understand it, but that Jesus meets with us here. And that's why at Mercy Street we believe that this meal is open to everyone because Jesus sits at the table and says, come to me, all of you who are weary, burned out, tired of religion, come and find a place at this table. So, uh, Everett, back to that slide, meeting Jesus through Mark. You know, sometimes we think we know a person, but then we find out a detail of their life that begins to kind of open up our perspective as to who they are. This happens time and time again. I'll say usually when I am doing memorial services. I may have known someone for, for just four or five, or I've been serving in this larger congregation for going on 14 years. I may have known them for that long, but there are parts of their story that I never heard. Many times, uh, they were the first female reporter that was hired by the newspaper, and they had to fight for their way to be present at different events. To hear the stories of people who marched with Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. People that I have known them perhaps during a time of their addiction or a time in which they really struggled. And, and finding out that they have been that person within their family that has always believed in others. And they had a hard time believing in themselves. We think we know a person until we kind of find out a few more details. When I was uh, on vacation back in July, a friend of mine said, um, you know, Philip Yancey, his memoir came out earlier this year. I don't know if any of you heard of this author before, Philip Yancey. He's written a number of books over the years. What's So Amazing About Grace. The Jesus I Never Knew. I'm actually reading back through that right now uh, for this series. He wrote a book called Soul Survivor, How My Faith Survived the Church. 
interesting title. But in 2021, Philip Yancey, who had written all of these books, turned the light of Christ upon himself and wrote his memoir. And it's called Where the Light Fell. And it was like a window had been opened up into this man's life. He writes with such joy and pain. He writes about the incredibleness of grace. And it turns out that so much of that message was deeply born within him when he was a child. His dad died when he was one. And he said he had always known his father's presence by his father's absence. Anybody relate to that? His mother grieving the death of her young husband and having a three or four-year-old and a one-year-old for most of Philip Yancey's life, and I believe his mom is still alive today, she just has not been able to be present. He, he writes with such honesty and vulnerability about some of the most painful parts of his life, and he does so, you can just tell by reading it and getting to know him, he does so with this measure of grace and hopefulness that God is not done with his story yet. Because friends, what we believe in this Christian journey is that the events in life, they shape us, but they do not determine us. The events and circumstances in our lives, they shape us, but they do not necessarily determine our path. What we believe in this journey of following in the way of Jesus, and when we read about Jesus, and, and when we watch what he did and how he healed, what we believe is there is no amount of human wisdom or self-determination that can get us through this journey of life, but that we're not left to our own and that God draws near. And so over the next several weeks, as we read Mark, I hope you'll pick it up and read it during the week. We're going to be invited to perhaps see Jesus in a new way and to meet Jesus anew and, and, and perhaps have this question, Jesus, is there a part in my life in which our relationship has just gone cold? Or maybe it's like a comfortable friendship that you can enjoy and, and, and have coffee and prayer time with Jesus, but you just feel like there's nothing else to learn. <laughs> maybe during this month, God would stir some curiosity and imagination. I think in my own journey, realizing that perhaps I have made Jesus too comfortable and too tame. Dorothy Sayers, who was a, a pretty provocative writer in the 20th century, she says this. I have a quote. It'll be on the screen. Dorothy Sayers says, We have very efficiently pared the claws of the Lion of Judah, and we have certified him as a fitting household pet for pale curates, which means priests, and pious old ladies or old men, old people. We have efficiently pared the claws of the Lion of Judah and made him this household pet. I cringe when I read that and think, no way. And then I look at how my life is lived, and I think, 
Perhaps. So what image, what picture of Jesus is most comfortable for you and which one unsettles you? Tonight I have a couple of uh, pictures or icons. This one is a very traditional icon of Jesus. A replica but painted sometime in the 1600s. This one of Jesus and Mary, Jesus as a child. And this one, uh, a carving that uh, a few of us picked up in Bethlehem in 2019. I think the picture will be on the screen so you can see it a little bit better. But the homeless Jesus. How will you meet with Jesus this month? Where will Jesus show up in your life? And tonight I ask the question, who is Jesus? And as we read tonight and as we hear from the Gospel of Mark, I think Jesus says to us, come to me. For I am. Not I was, not I will be. Although Jesus is both that. But Jesus says, I am. Jordan... Where is Jordan's going to read our scripture tonight? There you <laughs> right in front of me. Would you encourage him as he comes to read? <laughs> yep, from there. So Jordan, um, as we hear about Jesus, the gospel of Mark dives right in. There are no shepherds. We don't know about Mary and Joseph. This is chapter one, verse one, buckle up. Hey, my name's Jordan. This is Mark 1, 1 through 15. The beginning of the gospel of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, as, is, as it is written in Isaiah the prophet, Behold, I send my messenger before your face, who will prepare your way, the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Prepare the way of the Lord, make his path straight. John appeared baptizing in the wilderness and proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the of forgiveness of sins. In all the country of Judea, and all of Jerusalem were going out to him and were being baptized by him in the river Jordan, confessing their sins. Now John was clothed with camel's hair and wore a leather belt around his waist and ate locusts and wild honey. And he preached, saying, After me comes he who is mightier than I, the strap of whose sandals I am not worthy to stoop down and untie. I have baptized you with water, but he will baptize you with the Holy Spirit. In those days Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John in the Jordan. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open and the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, You are my beloved Son, with you I am well pleased. The Spirit immediately drove him out into the wilderness. And he was in the wilderness forty days, being tempted by Satan. And he was with the wild animals, and the angels were ministering to him. And after John was arrested, Jesus came to Galilee, proclaiming the gospel of God, and saying, the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. We don't get Jesus' genealogy. We don't get his resume. But we get to know what John was wearing. And Poochie, I don't know if he wore a size 9, but maybe so. <laughs> Who is Jesus? 
By this account, we're not distracted, as I said, by some of the other stories which tell us about Jesus' family. Instead, right off the bat, we are thrust into this story. And the first point that I want to make tonight is sometimes there is a beginning right in the middle. Sometimes there is a beginning right in the middle. So in this case, the gospel writer says, in the beginning, the gospel of Jesus Christ, the son of God, as it was written in Isaiah the prophet. And we find out that it was not only Isaiah the prophet that spoke about Jesus, but now we have the modern day prophet, John, who was Jesus's cousin, who is out there proclaiming this message of repentance. When Jesus arrives on the scene, there have already been throngs of people who are coming down to the Jordan. There was something within the people in that day and age that were hungering for something more. They wanted a liberation. They wanted to know that they belonged. They wanted to know that the family of God was still in existence. And when Jesus shows up in the middle of what John has been doing, we don't know for how long, for days, for weeks, for months. Jesus doesn't show up. God doesn't show up in the middle and proclaim, I'm here now. I've got this. Thanks for your help. He doesn't stand along the side of the Jordan and say to John, look, when you get tired and you need to tap out, you just let me know. I'll get in water. He doesn't say, you know what, I'll just kind of provide a hand and help people get out of that muddy river. What God does, what God does, what Jesus does right in the middle of the story is he begins and he gets in line with everyone else and God steps forward and Jesus steps forward in order to be immersed and baptized and this poetry breaks out each of the gospels tell it the same way it says the heavens were torn open a dove comes down and voice from heaven says what this is my son and who I am well pleased. This is my son, in whom I am well pleased. And then that same spirit that hovered and spoke a word of affirmation. There's a group of us that are kind of reading along and exchanging notes. <laughs> One person said, you know, it's, it's like watching a father beside a pool and is saying to the child, that is so good, you are loved, you can do this, and then all of a sudden thrusting them into the deep end. It says, the spirit came down, hovered over Jesus, you are my son in whom I am well pleased and loved. Now go into the wilderness and be tormented. You gotta wonder about God. <laughs> We do. Thank you very much, John. I do too. Who is Jesus? Jesus says, I am. It's the very name that God gave through Moses. It was the very name that Jesus would give in the garden at the end of his life. Who are you looking for? And they said, Jesus. And he said, I am. 
Sometimes in our stories, what feels like is in the middle of going on, there is a new beginning. And I wonder tonight that maybe that's where this connects for you. That there could be a beginning of what God is doing in your life. That the Spirit hovers over you and says, there's nothing more you need to strive for or do. You are loved as you are. And we're going to battle. <laughs> and the circumstances in your life may not change right away. And I am with you always. And I have lost my place in my notes. <laughs> and. <laughs> I can see it in my mind. Talk amongst yourselves. <laughs> Holy moly. There it is. Oh, I knew it was here. Yeah. What's up? Everett, there is a slide that has those three points on it. The beginning and the... Yeah, 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 yeah. So meeting Jesus, I am. A beginning in the middle. So in the middle of your story right now, perhaps as you read Mark, you can hear a voice crying. And there should be a comma there. In the wilderness, prepare. Maybe you hear the voice that says, this is my child, the one in whom I am well pleased. But to make space in your heart right now for a new beginning, a new awakening with Jesus. And when that happens and Jesus steps into those baptismal waters, goes into the wilderness and is ministered to by angels, steps out of the wilderness and then begins to proclaim this message, repent, the kingdom of God is here now. Now I turned it into a question. The kingdom of God is near, here, now? Really? I read the headlines and I say it's not yet. I watch the stories of a tragic accident that happened at the Beltway yesterday and a cement truck falls on an SUV and suddenly twins are now one girl and a deceased boy. And I think the kingdom of God is near here. I look at my own life, and maybe you do the same, and say, yeah, but there's so much that I'm still trying to hold on to. But Jesus proclaims he does not apologize for. He actually begins to demonstrate it, and he says the kingdom of God is near and here now. Another person that's reading along said, what would it look like if, my, if I really believed that in my life? What would it look like for me to proclaim to the people in my world that God's kingdom is here now? How would I live that out in such small, what seems like inconsequential things that I can commit to on a daily basis? And maybe it's time that I remember that the reign of God is here now. The third point, 
Jesus says this kingdom is here and, and the way that we're going to know that the reign of God is expanding is that these circles of belonging will begin to grow. And that belonging turns into this place of looking at our hearts and repenting. That, that's kind of a churchy word that sometimes makes us feel a little bit uncomfortable. But if we think about this Jesus, the vulnerable one, and we kneel before Jesus stretched out on this bench, <laughs> and to repent is to turn your heart in a new direction, to be awakened, to change your mind, to realize that what you have put your hope in cannot meet the things and the, the desires of your heart. To repent is to realize that you have belonged to something or someone and to set an intention and to turn your heart and to belong to God. I put there to repent and belong and then believe. One of the things I love about our Mercy Street Church family is that belief for us is, is this journey of trust and vulnerability. And it's a journey of progress, not perfection. <laughs> Sometimes the belonging precedes the belief. What do I mean by that? For most of the years growing up, I was able to recite creeds. I could recite a Bible verse. I, I had the head knowledge of God, which, which was good. But not until I belonged to a community of people did my heart begin to crack open. And that distance from head to heart was collapsed. I belonged to a people and I could show up in my belief and my unbelief. Where in your life right now do you need to make a space for someone else to belong? Or maybe where in your life do you realize that your belief has become detached from your heart? Within the memoir that Philip Yancey wrote, I said he turns the light on himself, and he does some pretty difficult work. He grew up in Georgia, near the Atlanta area. He grew up in the 50s and 60s and 70s at a time in which the church proclaimed a gospel of white superiority. And in the writing of his memoir, he began to realize that though he had rejected that belief and believed all people belonged, there was something within his faith that had been so closely tied to that culture and that DNA. And the only way he knew to separate out what he believed was to expand his circle of belonging and to be in relationship with people that were unlike him. To be in relationship and to hear the stories of vulnerability for those who were excluded. 
in meeting this Jesus, the one who is I am, the one who desires to begin something new right in the middle of your journey, the one who says the reign of God is here now. That one wants us to expand our circles of belonging. It's part of why we belong to this local church. We have that chance to look at our own selfishness, our own self-reliance. We come and we believe that God can restore us to sanity. You know, that, that was part of this recognition the other night that... Um, that you all, that we received, was that this is a place where we are trying to live into the reality that everyone belongs, that God is here, that Jesus is here, and that meeting the Jesus I am, that it makes a difference in our lives here and now.